Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were crowns. And he had a name written that no one except himself. He, uh, no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on the white horse, white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God, Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's the word of God. That's what God wanted us to know about what's happening. And then let's, let's take a look at the background of what's going on there, all right? This is letting us know that this great battle known as Armageddon is over. The thing that people had dreaded and feared for years and years and years has been talked about for centuries, that every time there's a snowstorm, even the snowstorm is named after Armageddon. It's Snowmageddon. We have all kinds of things. This is an important, significant event, especially in Western history. That is over now. What we're reading here, that's over. And as it's been over, the beast and the prophet we see are not on the scene anymore. They were taken immediately and thrown into hell. That's where they'll be forever. 
We, we saw that the international Gentile troops that had been gathered to fight the Son of God are all dead. And they're being eaten by the birds of prey. They're being eaten by the vultures, by all those birds, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a mess. If I can just say this, it's a bloody mess in that battle. There, there's been so much uh, blood, it's, it's said that the blood was up to the horse's bridles. That stinks. That is a bloody, awful mess. You follow where I'm at? I'm not, I don't want to overemphasize that, but I want you to see what it is that we're looking at before we see the rest of this. Judgments of many groups are taking place. As it tells us that there, there were seats given, and they sat on those thrones, and they began to judge all the different groups. The angels get judged, those that fell against God. They get judged during this period of time. We saw the tribulation saints get judged. We saw that Israel gets judged. There are so many groups that are being judged right now, the judgments that are going on, and that's in the midst of this mess. I just want to remind you of this. Satan's not there anymore. He had been taken and bound up, so he's not there to be a part of this messy thing that's going on, if you would. Earth is a bloody, burned-out mess. Its vegetation has been burned, starved, and in many parts of the earth, it's just gone. Are you getting a picture of what the earth looks like? Take a, take a thought of every dystopian movie you ever saw. Every one of those apocalypse now things, and just multiply that. Because it, is, it has been a total global battlefield. Waters have been poisoned, bittered. The sea, as you recall, had become a, a, a jelly-like substance. It was blood. And the animals that were in it were dead. They're on the seashore. And that, that mess is there. And there's no one there to clean it up. In addition, there are whole areas that have just been burned. There are craters all over the place. The Lord Jesus Christ has come back. That's what he's come back to. That's your future kingdom. Or is it? Or is it? If you recall, the sun had been heated up and uh, as one of the signs of the trumpets, one of the last signs that were there, and the sun had been heated up. Well, guys, when you heat up the inside of that sun and it starts giving out an intense heat, that's because that sun is going to supernova, or uh, our sun will not supernova, but it will nova. It's going to explode. That's why the Lord heated that thing up, because he's about to do something that is going to change everything. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, just for a moment. 2 Peter chapter 3. The reason I have you do this is because I want you to know the Bible that's between whatever kind of covers you have, whatever kind of covers are on that, that in between those covers is a single story written by many different authors moved by the same God 
to speak the things they did, and they were all speaking this same message. So as I use the, the platform as a timeline, from the time of creation all the way up through the Lord Jesus Christ, prophets have been speaking. God has been inspiring prophets to tell them the story that starts way back here before time. And as they've been telling this story, all those stories are about what's going to be here and the person who's going to be here and the people who are going to be here and what here looks like. That's what this whole story has been. And that's in between the covers that you have right there. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3 as he makes this explanation. He says in verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Isn't that cool? I want you to get the picture here. When Jesus is coming back, this day of God, part of what's included in that is a total explosion of everything. Everything that you know now. This, uh, we, we went yesterday down into the, the foothills of the Ozarks and we went walking around St. Francis Park or St. Francois, whatever it's called. Anyway, we went walking around there. I love it. I love being outside. Let me just encourage you to this. Whether you're working outside, walking outside, just being outside, get outside. You need what's outside. The vitamin D that God has, God made you to be an outside person so that you'd have to pick up some sun to keep making that vitamin D that will make you one happy, healthy person. Get outside. And we're walking around there and I'm thinking, man, look at, who, who thinks about making something like this? Do you know my legs hurt? God did not make that a level place. It goes up, it goes down, it's got rocks, it's got places to slip and slide on, it's got water, and I still love it. Don't you get the picture? This is earth phase two. This puppy's going to go. Everything you know about is going to be burned up. You hear, you hear what we're saying here? On the day of God, this all goes. And it looks like he heated up the sun inside. That's ready to explode. And with the time that he gets through with his judgments, you're going to hear from the one who holds all things together by the power of his word. Say, let go. And everything that goes is going to be an intense explosion like no one's ever heard before. Talk about Big Bang. That's Big Bang. And I'm going to assure you, kids, that what comes out of that will be a new heavens and a new earth. But it didn't come from the explosion. It came from the creative power of Almighty God who brought that to being. That thing's going to explode. Listen, when our sun finally does explode, do you know what happens to all the planets that are close to that? They dissolve. They're gone. Where we're standing right now will be gone. 
not refurbished, not repainted, not done over, but God's getting rid of it and going back to here to have it all done here, and that's your home. That's where you live. Let's look with me here at what he says back in Revelation chapter 20, 22. Uh, yeah, I want you to go to 22. I'm sorry, 21, 21, 21. All right. So as you get the picture, when all the judgments are complete, God holding those people, God keeping those people, and we'll talk about who those people are in just a minute. When that explosion is finished, what you'll see is Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. That's what you'd see. Matter of fact, that's what we will see. This is not the end of the millennium, kids. This is the millennium. This is a description of what's going to take place. This had already been spoken. Remember when I said all these prophets were speaking about this? Isaiah in 65 and in 66. That's the chapters he's speaking of. Speaks of a new heavens and a new earth in which people are going to dwell. And this is that new heavens and new earth. What Genesis... What, <laughs> almost gave it away. What Revelation 21 is to chapter 20 is the same thing Genesis chapter 2 is to chapter 1. In chapter 1, you see these statements made that uh, God said he's going to create male and female. He creates male and female, and he, that's all done. It's just like, boom, boom, we have male, female, we're done. That's uh, now go, go uh, be blessed and do all kinds of things in the garden. Genesis 2, however, says, let me give you a little idea how I did that. And he opens it up and expands that thing so you get to see, oh, I see, he made man in the wilderness. Then he makes a garden, and he takes man to the garden, puts man in the garden, and in the garden he makes a woman. I don't know how long that takes. I know that Adam went to sleep for it to take place. Is that eight hours? I don't know. I don't know what a good night's sleep is in that time. But that's when that was made. Everybody, everybody see where we're coming from? That's when that was all done. That whole creative process was taking place right there. So Genesis 2 describes everything that took place in a lot more detail. Genesis 2 tells us how God married them, how he had a wedding ceremony. He's the one to put that together. Genesis 1 doesn't tell us that. Revelation 20 says, and they ruled and reigned with him a thousand years. That's all it says. Genesis, or Revelation 21 says, and this is where they were reigning. This is where they lived. This is what I gave to them to live in. Revelation 21. So let's look at it again. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So remember that bloody gelatinous mess that had been on the old one? That's not there anymore. Is it going to be just a single land mass? I think so. I'm not sure so. I know it says no more sea. I don't know whether that's now talking about the universal world global sea or it's just talking about the Mediterranean or if it's just talking about the Dead Sea. or Because I do know 
that there's a river of life that flows out of the New Jerusalem, and in that river, it flows to a sea. And that sea, I'm assuming, was the Dead Sea, but it may be the Mediterranean Sea. So there's going to be some, some kind of body of water there. But no more the sea that you had known before. You're going to be able to recognize what's there. Can I say this? It's going to have geographical boundaries. There are going to be places where nations are located. And there's going to be a place that Israel is located. All right? Well, let's go a little further. He says here, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Who is the bride of Jesus Christ? That's the church. Now get the picture. He's created new heavens and new earth. The old sun, the old moon are gone. They burned up. They're, they're, they're part of the old creation. There's a new one there. And this new Jerusalem is coming down. And as it comes down, it doesn't come to earth. It's stopped. And as it's stopped there, that's where you're going to live. In that one right there. It's going to tell us later that all the nations of the earth walk in its light. There was no sun or moon in that new Jerusalem. It doesn't need one because Messiah is the light. He's the one that's the light in that. And that's the light that lights up the nations. So day and night that are going to be on the, I'm assuming it's a globe, uh, that's going to be on that globe. The day and night are coming from the light of the new Jerusalem. You're living there suspended above. You say, but I thought we're supposed to rule and reign with him. You do. And you'll be going back and forth from the earth back to here, back to, uh, from earth back to here. You'll be going back and forth. You say, you mean like a staircase? Yeah, like Jacob's dream. When Jacob was dreaming and he saw the angels ascending and descending. Or just like what Jesus told Nathaniel. I think it was Nathaniel. Yes. He said, there's a man in whom there's no guile. And he said, wow, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, because I said you have no guile? That's what caused you to believe? He said, believe me, you will see angels ascending and descending from the Father. There's a lot of traffic going to go back and forth in that day, kids. And the place where you live is why you are the light of the world. Because you will quite literally be the light of the world. Everybody with me so far? All right. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Right now, uh, I want you to look what he goes on to say, verses 4 to 7. Well, let's look at verse 3. He says this, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I'm going to stop right there just a minute. I want you to get the picture here. What's the announcement that's being made? This new Jerusalem that's coming down is God dwelling with the people. This is a permanent tabernacle. This is a permanent, uh, you, the, the, the tabernacle was when they were in the, the wilderness and the, the deserts and all those places. And the Spirit of God was always in the tabernacle. And Moses would go in and out of the tabernacle. And you remember when he would go in and come back out again, he glowed because he'd been in the presence of the Lord. That tabernacle, 
that new Jerusalem is what's dwelling with all the people on all the earth. And as that globe is turning, the light of the world, that's what's happening with all the people of the world. You are shining that sort of testimony, and Jesus is with you there, and he's the one who's dwelling with people forever. That's what makes it significant. That's what God wants people to know about the tabernacle, this new Jerusalem coming down. The biggest thing is not that it's pretty, and it no doubt is. It's, it must be immense. I, I, I don't know, understand the dimensions on it completely. I don't understand how you have a square thing sitting above something. I, I'm, not, I'm not square in my thinking. It's got to be a disc or it's got to be a globe or something. We just, we just don't fly too many square things. But this thing's there. And it looks like a cube. Rubik's? It looks like a cube anyway. All right? And this thing is shining everywhere. Here's what he says is significant. Verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. <laughs> you ever cried? You, you, you ever been so heartbroken that... There wasn't anything to come out. You couldn't speak anything. You're done speaking. And all you could do was cry. I know there's going to be some sense of loss. Because you will have already been through the judgment seat of Christ. And some of the things that you thought you were doing that were pretty cool just got burned up. They aren't with you anymore. And a few things that you didn't recognize as being such big deal moments, you, you knew that giving that cup of cold water and giving it in the name of Jesus did make you feel pretty good, but you didn't realize it. You didn't know that was worth a whole lot of gold. You didn't know that some of the people that you encouraged were encouraged so much so that they went on to live for Christ, and you were given some credit for that by Almighty Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't know there are going to be some of those things you said, if only... If I had just tried a little harder, if I had just set a goal, a purpose to... I know they asked me to do that. I know they asked me to minister. I know they asked me to help out, but I was busy. You got to make a living, don't you? You got to see people, don't you? You got you to live for yourself, don't you? And that's why he gave you a life. I mean, God wants you happy, doesn't he? And I didn't have time for those sacrifices. Didn't have time to give up my time to doing those silly church things, those silly ministry things, the guy I should have visited, the lady I should have brought something to. The Holy Spirit did, after all, prompt me to take a dish over to her, but I, I yeah, I didn't do it. Do you think there's ever going to be a time where you say, I wish? And to turn and, and see him wipe it away. It's all right. Was it someone that you wished would be there, but just so stinking hard-hearted wouldn't do it? Was that what broke your heart? And did you see him wipe it away? Well, that's something that Jesus does. 
And he goes on to say, not only will he wipe away every tear from their eyes, there should be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. To not be afraid of death anymore because it's just not going to happen. It's over. The last enemy has, will be destroyed is death, and there won't be any more of that death. And you'll never have to be afraid of it again. You'll never have to be worried about it again. He's taking it away. There won't even be sorrow there. You won't be that ongoing sorrow. You, you know what it's like sometimes you, you feel a little down because something happened today or you, got to, you heard some news and you're, you're just really sad by it. I think there are times that I've, I've heard things in the news. I, I believe when uh, the announcement came that Planned Parenthood was just down the street. I, th I think I, I just went into an almost immediate depression. What? In our backyard? How? How? And then I hear our governor announce that he's so happy because now they're going to pay for people to come from other states to Illinois, where our greatest business is killing babies. You think you feel sorrow? I know I do. I keep thinking, what, what's, what's the matter with us? How do you think this way? But I think e even hearing those things, they did not break my heart nearly as badly as hearing when the announcement was that Roe v. Wade, I, that, that didn't give me any particular thrill, kids, because I know all they said was, this is not a national problem. This is not something in our Constitution. This needs to go back to the states. When I saw believers in the Lord Jesus Christ commenting on how evil that is, that women don't have a choice anymore, I thought, what in the world is the matter with us? I'm not talking about some left-wing liberal wacko. I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. Sad because that had been removed. What? You're not pro-life politically, Prince. You're pro-life because God is pro-life. For crying out loud, where do you get this stuff? Get off your political wagon for a while and get back to reality. Jesus Christ is Lord and he authored you. He knit you in the womb of your mothers as he's knitting others in the wombs of their mothers. Stop the madness. Can we not remember that Jesus, or that the Lord God brought judgment on Israel, a big time one, because they sacrificed their children? Jimmy, that brought sorrow that you should ever have to convince a believer they should be pro-life. What? That's sorrow. And I know this, I'll never hear a piece of news like that in that New Jerusalem. Never. I won't hear any news that brings me sorrow. No more crying. <laughs> Not only does he wipe them away, but it's done. He will now be our comfort. The very thing that brought you sorrow, you're now seeing comfort come from. 
Friend, I know you're going to experience some loss, and there may be something that you're going to be really sorrowful about that loss. But can I say that the judgment seat of Christ is not about condemnation. It's not about loss. It is about what you did do. It is about what God accomplished through you. Can you follow that? It's about what he got done through you. It is a positive judgment, not a negative judgment. And there won't be any more crying when that judgment's done. Well, let's, let's talk just a little bit more. Uh, now, now let's go to your outline. We can start the sermon. There's no place like home, kids. And what you're reading about right here is the final resting place of all biblical prophecy. Everything that was said from right here when God promised he would bless and bring this thing back again, all the way through every prophetic word that was said by every prophet, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, had said by David, had been said by Nathan, had been said, all those prophetic words were on their way to their completion. They all find their rest right here. 1 Corinthians tells us the day will come when there'll be no more prophecy. And you won't need that prophecy right here. When this takes place, there's no reason for prophecy anymore. There's nothing to have to foretell. You will already know the Lord. You're, not, you're going to know even as you're known None of that's going to have to come up again. Praise the Lord, huh? No place like home. Who's going to be there? Let's check out our family. Well, we know one, King Jesus and the apostles, anywhere they want to be in this. They can be in this one up on the the top in the new Jerusalem. They can be down in the earthly Jerusalem because there will be an earthly Jerusalem too. They can be anywhere they want to be. They have eternal life, and they they were given that eternal life. The apostles were. Jesus was giving them eternal life. So King Jesus can be anywhere he wants to be. The apostles can be anywhere they want to be. They go on further. Believing Israel, the resurrected Old Testament saints will live on earth in Israel. Uh, Charlene, you and I were talking earlier. Here is Ezekiel 37. And Ezekiel 37 is about them bones, them bones, them dry bones, them dry. Well, anyway. Here, Ezekiel saw dry, sun-bleached bones stand up, and they connected to each other. And then tendons started growing on it. Then muscles started growing on it. Then it got skinned over. But they weren't moving. He said to them, can these walk? Can these live? He said, you know. He said, yes, I do. Blow on them. And they came to life. And that was a picture of what's going to happen to Israel. Can I tell you this? When the new heavens and the new earth come, all the believing Israel from back there from Abraham on to here, every Israeli that believed, especially Old Testament saints here, just like those bones, those dry, they're going to raise up. And they're going to live in Israel on the new heavens and the new earth. Why? Because Israel is their covenanted land, and that's where God said perpetually, 
universally for the rest of life, for all of the cosmos, that's where you're going to live. And that will be the final fulfillment of every prophetic utterance that was made to them about that land. When Old Testament saints are brought to life and they're brought to live on this new heavens and new earth. That's not all. Not only will believing Israel be there, but believing tribulation Israel who survived the tribulation will be living there. Now remember, there are some of Israel that fled from that persecution that was coming. When they fled from that persecution that was coming, God took care of them, preserved them. A bunch of Gentiles helped take care of them too, but they were preserved. They're going to go alive into the kingdom. They are going to go in a changed way. Yes, their body's going to be changed. They're going to be going back to the way life was from Adam that back here where you're living 900 years or 960, whatever, almost a thousand. Could be a thousand where you're going to live that period of time. And what's more, they're going to have children. They are going to populate this world. You say, where do you get that? Isaiah 65. When he said, the infant of that day, wait a minute, the infant of that day? You're not just creating infants, you're having infants. And children will be born during that period of time. You follow where I'm at? The infant, he said, if he sins, will die at 100. An infant is 100 years old? Kids, that's changing some sort of life way of doing things. That's changing some sort of, you're making some sort of regenerative process in your DNA because your DNA gets older and older and it starts to, well, you become old. That's not what's going to happen with this. And I think it's somehow related to the tree of life where you go to the tree of life and you eat from the tree of life and it regenerates your DNA so that you keep on living more and more and more and more. So you have believing tribulation Israel. They're going to be into that new kingdom, living in Israel and having children. All right? There's going to be believing Gentile tribulation survivors. Remember, there were some in Matthew 25 who had this um, uh, judgment that was given to them, the judgment of the sheep and the goats. That was Gentiles who were being judged for the way they took care of believing Israel during the tribulation. Did you feed them? Yes, I fed them. Did well, we didn't know that was you. Well, it was. That was my brethren. If you did it to my brethren, you did it to me. And those Gentiles are going to go into the kingdom of God. And they're going to have children. And they're going to be assigned to live in the very things, the very boundaries that God gave them back here at Babel. They're going back into those boundaries again, and they've got certain obligations on them. Matter of fact, every Gentile nation has the responsibility of showing up to Jerusalem at least once every year. What for? They have to come at tabernacles. They have to come and bring all the goodies they've been making while they were there and bring them into tabernacles and share them with people there, give them to Almighty God. You say, where did it say anything like that? Okay, let's just pick up a minute. Go over to chapter 21, 22. 21, 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. 
And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. And they, that's those nations again, shall bring the, the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Put your finger right here a minute. Flip over to Zechariah. Here is Zechariah. It was just a little bit before Malachi, the last Old Testament book there. In Zechariah 14. Picks up on verse 16 of uh, Zechariah 14. And it should come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king and the Lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's what all those Gentiles are going to be doing. And it said in verse 17, it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Ooh, isn't that good? That's another little clue. What do I know about this land? There's a climate and it still rains. So I know there's day and there's night and I know there's climate. I know that there is rain that comes and God's gonna withhold rain if you don't come up to feast tabernacles. He goes on to say, uh, in verse 18, uh, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter it. Now, that helped me understand that all those nations that were divided into geographical boundaries are bound there again because there's people who are returning to Egypt. All right. So if Egypt, the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to the Feast of Tabernacles. There shall be the punishment of Egypt, the punishment of all the nations who do not come up to the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots of the Lord's house shall be like the bowls of the, before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. And that day there shall be no, more, no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. All right? So that's, that's telling us a little bit about the worship time that's going to take place. The people are going to be there. So Gentiles are coming there and they're living on earth and they're having children as well. Everybody follow that? All right, let's go on to the next thing. The 144,000. Remember, they were set aside. Those 144,000 witnesses, it tells us in uh, Revelation 14, will be traveling wherever he is. Wherever the Lord is, that's where they're going to be. So that tells me this. You've got believing Israel that's living on the planet. You've got believing Gentiles that are living on the planet, and they're having families. They're growing there. They're growing a, a big, doing just like Genesis 1 had said to do, be fruitful and multiply and work with the earth. They're doing the same thing they were supposed to do in Genesis 1. That's our original charter, okay? So they're doing that. So I know that there are, the church is living above all of it, Believing saints are living on it. So I've got Israel living on it. I've got Gentiles living on it. I've got families growing that's living on it. And I've got the 144,000. Wherever Jesus goes, they are his entourage. Wherever he goes, you'll find the 144,000 there. That's, that's in Revelation 14. 
Okay, let me go then to chapter six, or number six in our outline, resurrected tribulation martyrs living around the throne of God day and night. It tells us about them. Matter of fact, turn to Revelation 7. Revelation 7. And here's what he said. Uh, John was asking, they said, uh, then one of the elders, uh, 7.13. He's now looking at this great big company of people who are all there. And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, the, who are these arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? He said, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, and they shall neither hunger nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lord who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them in the living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So that's a group that's not going to be farming. They're not going to be doing any sort of agriculture work, any sort of business work. They are simply going to be around the throne of God. The 144,000 are going to travel with Jesus wherever he goes. Everybody see where we're at? All right, let's go to the next one. The resurrected church saints are living in the heavenly Jerusalem, suspended over the earth as its light. The faithful angels, the ones who didn't rebel against Almighty God, just simply says they're going to and fro from the earth to heaven. They're just going back and forth. Who will not be there? Well, let's turn to Revelation 21. Who will not be there? 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's who will be there. Or that's who will not be there. Look at verse 27. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, kids, all we're talking about are those who will not be there right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Here's what it says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. They won't be there. And that's, that's not the church's position. That is the word of God. Remember following where we're coming from? So if you don't like what was said there, don't put it on me. I didn't write it. This, this book happened a long time before I was born. I didn't write it, kids. This is what God had said about who's going to be there, who won't be there. Can I say, that's the God who made the story up back here in eternity past. 
the God who lived out the story right here and told the story in the Bible the whole time, who already lives in eternity future and can tell you who's going to be in here, who's not going to be in here, and he just told you who can't be there. That's not the church saying that. That's not the church being mean, wicked, and evil, and all those kind of things. That's what God said. Let me go on further with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And here we read in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit corruption. Let me just say this. You are not going to be in the kingdom of God in this outfit. You have to have a resurrection. And you can't have a resurrection if you're not born again. Everybody follow me? This is, this is a simple thing. This is not hard. You have to be born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to have the promise of a new body. And the promise of a new body, the promise of a resurrection is the only way you're going to be in the kingdom of God. You will not go in this way. You can't go in this way. Everybody with me? All right, let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Not far from here. It's just a little, little jaunt over and you're there. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, that's not what I said. I'm not the one that qualifies people to be in the kingdom of God or not. I don't have anything to do with it. But I can tell you this, this says that's who will be and who won't be. And notice he says that's about a practice. Friend, if you have found yourself in some sort of sinful situation, can I tell you, run to Jesus right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come to Jesus right now. He's ready. He's, he's op- his arms are open. He's ready to receive you right now. Come right now. But if you're making a regular practice of these things, if you're making that a lifestyle to you, can I tell you, friend, on the Word of God, you will perish. Sorry. And I don't say that happily. I don't say that gladly. I say truthfully, you can't live that way. You can't live that way. You can't inherit the kingdom of God. And there's only two places. Kingdom of God, lake of fire. That's it. Nothing more. So today is a great day to turn. Today is a wonderful day. I can't think of a better January 22nd than this one. That you could turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, 
Get real simple about the thing. Admit that you're a sinner. You're in trouble. And it's not from people sitting in this room. It's not from people who are all right. You're in trouble with God. Because you're in trouble with God, only God can deal with that. Number two, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He did die on a cross to pay for you. He's God come in the flesh. He paid for your sins in full and was raised again from the dead. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, when you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell somebody else that Jesus is the Christ. You're believing it, and you're trusting it fully and completely. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you that there is hope, there is joy, there is peace. There's all to be had, Father. And thank you that Jesus is the one who's given it. We ask for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll minister to each one of us the grace that we need to be wise enough to see what you've done. Save souls, Father. Don't let anyone perish. We'll thank you for what you're doing. In Christ's name, amen. Brothers and sisters, we are coming on a time, as you've, you've already seen, many signs are already available to us. You can see what's coming on. You can see that the, it's a very prophetic time. This is a great time for us to be very active in high spiritual activity. Pray like you've never prayed before. Love people like you never loved them before. Do things in the name of Jesus Christ. Make sure that what you're doing counts for something. Don't just be doing something because it's another fun thing to do or some other thing to occupy your time. Change everything you're going and focus it toward the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom is coming. That's what this kingdom is going to be all about. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.